You know, one of the problems that I've seen, and I want to, first of all, commend, I have known a lot of elderly people, even people who were crippled, people who had a lot of problems. But as long as they could attend services, you could depend on them to be there. And I appreciate that, and I've loved and appreciated those kind of people. But I've also known a few in my lifetime that when they got to the years of retirement from their physical labor, they seemed to think that they had a right also to retire from their service to the Lord, so far as, you know, they might claim that they were still faithful to the Lord in some way, but they quit basically attending the services of the church. They didn't show much interest otherwise, or they may appreciate preacher coming by and visiting with them for a while, once in a while. But they just basically, even though they had the physical ability to get out and to come to services, they didn't. But in James, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 13, James said, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Folks, I've come to know, really to know the meaning of that statement. Life has seemed so sure. Brother John told you last night that I'm 90 years old. I usually tell people I'm just 90. And I've been saying that for years, just 85, just 89, and so forth. But I recognize that the Lord has blessed me abundantly. I still feel good. I don't, so far as I know, now I may... You know, that can change in a heartbeat. But I don't have any major health problem. And I've began to wonder, is it possible that I might live to be 100 years? So, you know, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied if I don't. Because I look forward to that eternal home, that permanent home. But he says, it's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I don't want to encourage anybody to sin, to ne neglect their duty to the, our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ and His Father, the Father of Heaven. I also, also want to call your attention to that last chapter in the book of Proverbs. It starts out by saying, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. And he goes then to describe the age, the process of aging. I'll tell you, 
a 90-year-old or even those less than that can testify to the truthfulness of the description that get. Age affects our hearing, affects our balance, affects the strength of our arms, affects the strength of our legs. Legs. I think the thing that I notice most of all is my balance. Uh, I have to kind of watch it. I'm thankful that I haven't fallen. And But uh, I recognize that that's very possible many times. But I appreciate this opportunity that I have to stand before you tonight. And this passage tells us that we, of course, grow old, and he expects something of us. And in verse 6, he says this, Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed. And in that one, and some more here, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the well, which are symbolic ways of talking about death. For in the next verse he says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And so it's appointed unto man who wants to die, and after this the judgment. If the Lord doesn't come back before that happens to us, every one of us, even these young people here tonight, if this world and the Lord delays his, long, uh, his coming long enough, we'll all face this appointment of death. I want to be prepared for it. I've often said in my preaching life, I want to spend eternity in heaven. When I leave this life, I want to go to be with the Lord. But that's just half of the story. I want to help as many as I possibly can to get there also. And that's why I stand before you tonight. That's why I preach the gospel of Christ every opportunity that I have. And so he says in the end of this chapter, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And actually, it is really saying this is the whole, W-H-O-L-E, of man. This is what our life is really about. And he continues by saying, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. We want to be doing good rather than evil, rather than that which is wrong. Retirement from secular or physical labor does not include retirement from service to the Lord. And so even though I haven't been fulfilling the role of a full-time local preacher in the last 25 years since I turned 65, I have preached all through those years. I still preach two times a month at home. And I held a number of meetings, especially up until about 2012. But I realized and recognized as I got older that those meeting invitations would be.
greatly fear and fear. But I'm appreciative of the brethren who used me in meetings through the years. I didn't hold nearly as many meetings as some of our preaching brethren hold, but I was able to hold a number, a number of meetings through the years. And I appreciate the brethren having that kind of confidence. Let's turn to Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians 3, and read a, bit, read a little bit from the Apostle Paul. Philippians 3, beginning at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, Paul said, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness or justification, which is from the law. What kind of justification is that? Sinless perfection. Never committed one sin. That's the only way that can be accomplished. Not having that kind, he says, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness or the justification which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, notice it, I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul making the next statement? Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or laid hold after all of this time that he'd been serving the Lord, he said, I'm not saying I have it made. That's all I need to do, no. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press, I press toward the goal for the prize of the, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God reveal, will reveal even this to us. So, let's all do whatever we can, as long as we can do it. Even in our old age, the Apostle Peter tells us in Second Peter, the third chapter, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. You mean... We're supposed to continue to grow when we get old. 
That's exactly right. We have that responsibility. The Lord does not want us to quit growing. And in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the very familiar passage in which Jesus himself said in verse 5, or verse 13 it is, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen to it. Let, yours li- let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to be reflectors of the light of our Lord as the moon reflects the light of the sun. We are to reflect throughout our life, yes, even in old age, in our legacy years, we are to reflect the light of our Lord. And another passage, this one over in the book of Colossians. Colossians, the third chapter, the apostle Paul wrote, and he's, he's giving them instructions concerning their responsibility in the different relationships of life. In verse 23, he says, of chapter 3, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. I'm afraid one of our problems, brothers and sisters in Christ, and I would include myself, I think one of the problems that we face from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, is forgetting that the church of our Lord is something beyond what we see right here. As we're going to learn, we can already see into heaven. The door has been opened. The curtain of the tabernacle, you remember, when the Lord died, was torn in two from top to bottom, symbolizing what? The way into heaven had been provided through Jesus Christ. So, we need to understand and appreciate the opportunity that we have to serve the Lord even in our final years on this earth, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Many of the problems that we have in local congregation, when people get at odds with one another and we have personal difficulties and problems with one another, you know what has happened to us? We've taken our eye off of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we only think about the church as being something between us as human beings here on earth. It is much more than that. Think about the spiritual relationship, the spiritual tie that we have with heaven. But you know, there's a lot of examples that we have 
of people in the scriptures that served God throughout their life. You've probably thought about when this subject comes up. Who would you think of as the oldest one that we might talk about? That was faithful to the Lord, evidently out throughout his life. Noah. You remember how old Noah was when he finished building the ark? 600 years old. Now, I realize, so far as age time. We live in a different time. Some of those of much longer some people live today. But he lived 600 years. In fact, we're told in the last verse of chapter 4, I believe it is, chapter 5, that he lived 500 years and he begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Three sons. Somehow we've come up with the idea that he may have spent 120 years building that ark that God told him to live, build. But after he built it, that flood, God sent that flood upon the earth. Do you think about that? He spent all of those years building that ark after he was old. And we can complain about the difficulties we have past 75, and sometimes even earlier. Abraham is another one. And although Abraham lived quite a few years longer than we do, how old was he when God called him, sent him out of his home countries, especially out of Haran? to go into the promise of the land that he had promised to him and his seed. He was 75 years old. Genesis 12 and verse 4. That's when God not only told him to go into that country, and Abraham didn't even know where he was going. He was just following the orders, the command that the Father of heaven had given. And he went, 75 years old. And then, later on, God told him that he and his wife, Sarah, were going to have a son. He kept trying to figure out how God was going to fulfill that promise that in his seed all nations of the earth would be blessed. He and Sarah didn't have a child. So he came up with the idea that Eliezer he could he used him as a substitute. And he even thought about the son through the handmaid, Ishmael. But God told him, no, no. Finally, he told him, no. He said, you and Sarah are going to have a son. They had a little bit of trouble with understanding how that was going. But he had learned enough about God. He respected him and had faith in him. And... God gave him the son, and he was the one, Isaac, was the one through whom all of these promises were fulfilled, and of course his descendants, down to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one who came and fulfilled that promise that through his seed, all nations of the earth 
would be blessed. And so in the Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we have, we have those statements made about those two men. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned, Of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith he obeyed. And verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham had not seen what we have seen. He had not seen this divine revelation of the New Testament that we have before us. And yet look at the faith. Look at the faith that he had. And he worked at it the rest of his life. Lived to be 175 years old. Then there's Jacob. Jacob, by the time he came along, the, li the years of the lives had been shortened quite a bit. And in Genesis, the 50th chapter, Genesis 50, we have something quoted from Jacob. When Joseph's brother saw, saw that their father was dead, this is Genesis 50, verse 15, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which he did, which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, and here's the quotation now, of what they told Joseph that his father Jacob had said to him. I beg you, please forgive, he told, he told the brothers, rather, as to what they were to say to Joseph. I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your fathers, of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Think about that. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. There were two other occasions, I believe, in Genesis that we're told that Joseph wept in, his, in this great story about Joseph. I've heard Ricky preach this sermon about Joseph. Very good lesson. But one time was when he first saw his own brother, Benjamin. He could not keep from shedding tears, and he went from the presence of the Egyptians, if I understand it right, 
so that he could be alone shedding his tears. Then the second time was when they were faced with thinking they were going to have to leave Benjamin in Egypt. When they had, he said, if you don't bring Benjamin now down, you'll never receive any more food. And so Joseph put that cup, you remember, in Benjamin's sack. And they caught up. He sent servants to catch up with him and checked him. Of course, he had, of course, he'd been planted there. It seems obvious that Joseph had in mind at that time that he was going to keep Joseph, Benjamin himself in Egypt, protect him from his terrible brothers who sold him into bondage. But when that occasion arose, Judah, incidentally, who was the ancestor of Jesus Christ, Judah spoke up and made one of them one of the heart-touching speeches. And Joseph, after hearing that speech, he could not keep from shedding tears again. And so now he's shedding tears again at here at the end of this story in Genesis. And he went on to say to them after they made that plea, then his brothers went down and fell before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. Do you know what Joseph meant? But I'm not sure that I know all that he meant by that. But I think I know one thing. He is saying, God has shown me enough to let me know this is what God wants me to do. I'm standing in his place. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little one. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What a great example. Joseph obviously was a very great man and faithful servant of the Lord. You realize how much, how much space is given in the book of Genesis to Joseph? What his story starts about in chapter 35, and now we're reading in chapter 50. What other character? Besides God, what other character received that much space in those chapters? Then there's Moses. You know, Moses killed that e Egyptian when he was fighting with a Israelite. And he found out it was known. It wasn't a secret. And he fled to the land of Midian to escape. That was He was 40 years old when he left Egypt. We are told that he stayed 40 years in Midian when then God called him. How old was he when God called him and said, Go back and you're going to deliver my people from Egypt? He was 80 years old. 
And you remember how long he spent it doing that? Forty more years. He was 120 years old when they got over there to the east side of the Jordan River. And God told him to go to the top of Mount Debo, and he was going to die there. And he, he would be buried. He worked all of those years, from 80 years old to 120. You say, that's pretty old. I, li I had a great aunt that lived, like in about a month, she lived 109 years. And there's other people that have lived long lives in our day and time. Well, I'm saying to us that we don't retire from the service of our Lord because we get to be old in this life. Well, what can we do, someone might say. Well, one of the things is, is be faithful in your attendance, the services of the church, as long as you possibly can. I know that there are situations when people don't have that ability. And I appreciate and understand that. But don't use that as an excuse just because you become 80 years old or something after that or even before that. If you're able to be there, and I've seen people who have attended services even for years when they could have used it as an excuse not to be. And I've always appreciated those kind of people and their faith. Continue to study the scriptures. Don't ever think, well, it won't do me any good anymore to read. Study the scriptures on a regular basis. If you can at all, read the scriptures and study the scriptures every day as much as you're able to do. Do what the scriptures tell us to do. Study as the old King James Version. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And then visit those who can't be out at services. As long as we can do that. And even when we can't get it, people who are confined to home can still write cards, write letters, make telephone calls, and encourage, yes, even encourage our peers, but encourage our younger people also. I think back at the letters I received from my grandmother God after I started preaching. I was still a young youth. She lived until I'd been preaching a number of years. I preached her few, San Diego, California, in 1974. She lived to be 92 years old. But before she got to the point that she couldn't do such things, she loved to be at church loved to attend church services. And I appreciate her. I appreciated the letters that she wrote. She wrote encouraging letters. But exhorting me to be faithful. To be faithful to the teaching of the Word of God. And older folks, we can all do that. You can do that for your children. And for you, grandchildren. Oh, I'm not 
silly use to harangue, to harangue them and to try to force yourself on them when they're not willing to listen. But use those at least short instances that you have, not in ugly ways, not trying to be, uh, you know, too mean to them or to sound mean to them, but plead with them in love. You want them to go to heaven. You want them to be saved, and there's only one way that that's going to happen. It's not just because they may choose to go someplace to church that they they like the entertainment there, and they'd rather go there than to go where they ought to be going, but to plead with them because you want to see them in heaven after this life is over. And then visit those who are with us, orphans. Visit those who are in need. Visit those that you can help in different ways. Study of the Word of God and encouraging them in many different ways, which involves such things as taking food to people, praying for them, and helping them deal with health problems, taking them if you're able to do so, taking them to their doctor's appointments in this store, look for things that you can do for people that are in these kind of situations. So there are a lot of things that we can do when we get older. I was I was chauffeured over here, and my son told me when I was 84, six years ago, he said, son, he lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I've been used to driving there. As far as I'm concerned, I could still drive there and be all right. But he said, Dad, you're 84 years old. You don't need to be driving up here. Well, he believed that enough that uh, he will he will quote, not only come and visit us, but we can get up there one way, and if we'd like to stay with him longer than the folks that are kids that takes us up there, he will bring us home later. Well, I appreciate that. And I I want to honor what, you know. I wouldn't want to be on the road and kill somebody or do something. I think I still do a pretty good job of driving, but... When it comes to driving that far, and I still drive. Short did I go? I drive to places like Tyler, and and have even driven over here to park portions of this area. But as long as we can be of service, and of course, living in a com- small com- smaller community like we do, driving is not nearly as hectic as it is in a place like. But keep these things, keep these things in mind. And one of the things before I quit talking about this is to say, talk a little bit more about this from the standpoint of the younger generation. And I hope that the younger generation that's here tonight can appreciate the exhortation I'm going to get to give to you older folks. You can read your Bible. 
And if you'll read your Bible or read the history of God's people, who was it that left the truth? Was it the first generation of those who had been taught the truth? No, and I've seen it in my lifetime. I've lived long enough to see the children and grandchildren of dad and mom. The parents were faithful to their death, but their children left the Lord. And I want, to, I want us to all understand how important it is not to be ugly to those children, but to plead with them that they are not to follow the attitudes of the culture in which we live. We live in a culture today that is absolutely different than the culture that I grew up in. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't any sinners back then. Yes, there were plenty of sinners back then. But the people that I grew up around, come on, and still in East Texas, in Mount Pleasant, I know that we have some of those on the other side. But we still have a lot of good folks that believe in the moral principles that God sets forth in His Word. But there are still some there as well as in the metropolis areas. There are millions of the younger people that are being so much influenced against the teaching of the Bible. So much so that they're going right along with homosexual marriage and being sympathetic toward homosexuality. You say, well, preacher, do you do you hate those folks? No. I made the point to Brother John in one of our private conversations, I think, was it today? He was talking about that. And I said that one of the points that needs to be made is to the person who says, well, you don't love me if you don't approve of this life that I'm living in homosexuality. One of the points that can be made is, are you telling me that I have to love you so that you can go to hell because of the life you're living? I love you because I want you to change and give up that way of life so that you can spend eternity in heaven if you will serve God and do what he tells you to do. That's what real love is. Real love is not going along with and telling people, oh, I love you and I love what you're doing. You just go ahead and live any kind of life you want to live, whatever you believe in. No. Of course, I grew up, you know, many people don't understand that today. I grew up, we had neighbors and friends that were Baptist and Methodist and this were different, and we disagreed on religion, but we loved one another, and we would discuss religion with each other. We would have debates. I can't tell you how many debates I went to when I was young, and in the early years of my preaching, I never had a public debate myself, but I've been to place. I heard some of the best. I heard W. Curtis Porter debate different times, and he was reputed among our preaching brothers as being the best negative debater 
that we had at that time. And he he could mess it, he could make his opponent think, well, I wish I'd have ever thought of that argument. But he'd been in such a position. So it's important, older folks, it's important, not only for you but for me, to try to influence our children and grandchildren to follow God's divine pattern instead of following after the ways of the world. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's one of the great passages to exhort us. Be faithful unto death. And you know that's in book that's in Revelation two ten. And you know what that really involved? I, I'm convinced that what that meant really, even though it includes what we would ordinarily think. He was telling you he was telling those folks, you may face you may be put to death because you're a Christian. But you be faithful even if you have to give your life for your faithfulness. But if you do, you'll have the crown of life. You'll have that home in heaven. Now surely, if we can give our life, surely, even though we do not have to give our life, we can be faithful to the truth, to what the Lord has taught us in his word to do. And we do that, I've often said. In fact, I used to preach a sermon quite a bit, meetings and so forth, only keeping your eye on Jesus. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'll tell you in every instance, I never will forget going to a meeting one time. One of the brethren, I'd been there before, and one of the brethren, it quit serving the Lord, and his wife and his mother-in-law fixed me a lunch one day, and he was there. And I said, Jack, what's happened to him? What happened? He began to tell me about problems he had with some of the brethren, and he talked about that a little bit, and I said, Jack, what did the Lord do to you to cause you to quit him? You know what he did? He came to service that night, and he was restored. I don't know whether he held on to the end or not. But he couldn't pass up that point that I made. You better keep your eye on Jesus and serving him. And if you're here tonight and you need to do that, I hope you'll use this as an opportunity to come. If you need to obey the gospel, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Or if you need to return as one who has already obeyed those initial commandments and you've been, your faith needs to be renewed, you need to be forgiven again. Come in repentance and we'll pray with you and for you for your forgiveness. You can leave here tonight and pillow your head having confidence that you're now back on the road to heaven. Won't you come right, to, right now as together we stand and sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us 
at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.